0: We needed to have the right mindset in order to approach people, which means win-win. We needed to have a good strategy to offer to them, in our case, rent-to-own, but it's not the only strategy out there.
1: You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.
2: Hey, Right Club Nation. It is Sarah Larby here and Alfonso Salemi, and welcome to the Right Club podcast. Hey, Alfonso. Hey, how's it going, Sarah? Amazing. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. What an awesome, awesome interview we just had with Daniel, one of our co-founders of the Right Club. And yeah, a lot of insight on, on a lot of the stuff that he's done. In a short period of time, too, not too long, less than 10 years, you know, 58 deals, other people's money, really cool stuff. So what have you been up to?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on some coaching that I'm doing. I'm working on my book. I'm always looking for some real estate, obviously, looking in Brantford, looking in Peterborough. I actually am looking at a multifamily, like way up in Thunder Bay, but I'm still questioning that one for now. And yeah, no, but things are, things are good. It's Christmas holiday. So it's giving us a lot of time for me personally, because I still work full time, a lot of time to be able to focus on this stuff. And I'm really excited that we're launching our podcast.
1: Yeah, this is really cool. They're going through this process and I want to thank you so much for challenging me and, and getting me outside of the comfort zone. I love the live events. I love being there in person, this recording stuff and the podcast. You know what, I think it's even less, maybe just over a year ago, I hadn't even listened to a podcast. So to now I think that kind of co-hosting it with you and with your great experience and so many podcasts that you've done, I feel so lucky and fortunate to do this. So this is really cool and I'm really excited.
2: I'm really excited about it. You're a great asset. I could not think of a better partner to do this with. So thank you for you know, agreeing to do this crazy idea and stepping out of the comfort zone.
1: <laughs> hey, Listen, we you convinced me to jump out of a plane. So, and I, I'm still here to tell the story about it. So a podcast, I don't think it could kill me. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's awesome. Yeah, we were at the Bright Club. We're actually at a networking event and we we're like, we should do something fun because we take the summers off. And somebody was saying bowling. I'm like, let's go skydiving and it just
1: happened, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so great and I think that's a, the big part of just the, the Right Club Nation, the Right Club community that has just formed, that we've put together, we've built and we've met so many new, interesting people. That's what the cool part is, is getting outside of that comfort zone, listening to other people's experiences and people that have actually walked the path and before we jumped out of a plane, thousands, of, hundreds of thousands, millions of people have jumped out of planes and, and done it safely and I speak personally, I, I was terrified about it. But people have done it. The, even the instructors that were jumping out of the plane with us that day, they do it multiple times a day. All right? day long. <laughs> all, all, day, all day Jump in and out of plane all day long. And, yeah, it, it can be done, right? So that's the cool part of, you know, this is just another piece, this podcast. The, the online piece, the in-person events, that's the cool part is that you get so many different experiences talking to people that you can see things that you want to do, that you want to aspire to, that you create goals or things you're like, no, nah, that sounds way too hard or way too difficult. I'm staying way the hell out of there. I'm letting, letting those people be in that kind of realm, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now I, I do want to highlight something because you have 96 properties at, at the time that we're closing into 2018, going into 2019. I just want to say congratulations. Like that is a huge accomplishment. 96 properties.
1: That yeah, is- that's, yeah, that's the the rental owns Yeah. Myself and my business partner, Adam with Jag, yeah, we've been rock and rolling, really refining our process and, and just getting better at it. It's just like anything like The more you practice singing or dancing or a sport or something like that, just refining your craft, refining your tool and and getting better at it. And yeah, the number, weird to sit back and look at that number. I remember, you know, not too long ago, you know, five, five, six years ago, it's trying to get that first deal and and just learning about this whole real estate world and thinking, oh my God, how are you going to do it? And talking to other people that have done so many deals and you're like, you never think you can get there. But it's, yeah, it's really fun and, and the process has been great and meeting so many interesting people in this real estate world where we all have that common bond that real estate investing but it means so much to so many different people and it's been really fun so yeah thank you for that that's yeah it's been really great and and i owe it so much to my business partner as well too adam that together we really complement each other well and even with it it kind of correlates to the right club as well too the four founders yourself laurel and daniel and me that we all have our different skill sets and together we're better it's almost like uh the Avengers, right? We all have our superpowers, but together we're like unstoppable. So it's it's great, and it's uh, we can continue to grow the community.
2: Amazing, yeah, absolutely. And so, Alfonso, you just finished doing a podcast where you would share all of your rent-to-own information and everything like that. So, guys, if you are interested in seeing how and learning how Alfonso got to 96 properties. And you're like my age. You're 34, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, 34. Yeah, 30 yeah I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> you're still young enough. I can, I you know, can announce it. Feel like <laughs>
1: I'm 24 though. Feel like I'm 24.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but at 34, you're technically still a millennial. And yep. you, you've accomplished a ton, so your your podcast is really insightful. You guys listen to Alfonso's podcast, Alfonso's story, and we can get a lot more insights. But let's talk about Daniel, our guest for today a little bit. Daniel and Laurel are the other two co-founders of The Right Club, and so we wanted to share their story as well. And Daniel and Laurel have been investing for like about 9, 10 years and have a lot of Property as well without using a penny of their own money, which is incredible.
1: Yeah, that's phenomenal. And, and you know, and, and that's what we were talking about is everybody brings a different piece to the puzzle, right? And mm-hmm. for them, yeah, they haven't used a dollar of their own money. They've gone used other investors, other resources like RSP money, that kind of stuff, and really educated them. And they're being the expert in what they're doing, and you know, and that's when I first met and What really blew me away about the interviews how many networking events he's been to just in the last few months. I think he said like 20-something in the last few months, right? And that's why the the networking is so important. that You can meet all different types of people and walks of life that have expertise in different areas. And that's all I think. I think the story is the same for you, Sarah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where I met Daniel at our networking event. That's where I met
2: Daniel too.
1: And and look what happens uh, basically that – you know, you meet somebody at a networking group, you, you, you get different contacts, have different skill sets, and then look, we start something like The Right Club, where together we're helping more people, that single-handedly, we could help people individually, but together we're able to help even more, so yeah, his story is really great, and And how, you know, he went through the similar type training. It was the Rich Dad Education, the Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where he started getting the bug and started getting more information about real estate investing and, and different strategies. And again, he went down that same path. The rent-to-own strategy, and you know, on other strategies as well too, but primarily on the rent-to-own, and we do it a little bit differently. But he's got his take on it, and he's been successful. And that there's that old saying, I don't know why you'd ever want to skin a cat, kind of gross, but there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, right? There's a lot of different ways to do it.
2: Absolutely, the insights that he's got. I mean, with the experience and the amount of knowledge, he's definitely a huge asset to have with us at the Right Club. And it's really inspiring for me because right now I have, I have nine properties right now and at some point I'm going to run out of money. At some point I'm going to run out of financing ability. And so, I mean, you do something similar as well, where you're using other people's money, but that is going to be as you're scaling one of the things that you're going to want to add as an option to be able to grow your portfolio.
1: That's right. And yeah, and, and I think, you know, we all have that similar mindset is that, you know, that money or funds or capital, it's just a tool. It's just a tool to get a deal done to use that vehicle of real estate to, to provide that. So yeah, money, it's, it's out there. People are investing it in, and in getting, you know, the, the shiny banks are offering two and 3% returns on your savings accounts and that kind of stuff. And it's really interesting that once you see that, once you start and you get that, I call that that little bug or that little, that in your mind it can't get out, that you know that there's another way, that there's a better way that you go out there and you get all the information that you can and then you do put into action. And I think that was one of his biggest tips or biggest takeaways from the interview that we had was taking action. You gotta go and get all the information and feel comfortable, but you do gotta jump out of the plane eventually. You can read about it all you want, but you gotta actually jump out and, and take action, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So with that said, I think it's time that we share the interview and Bright Club Nation you know, let us know what you think, and please come out to The Right Club, because we would love to meet you, hear more about your story, and so let's get on with the interview.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. That's good. So Obviously, as one of the co-founders of Right Club, we're really excited, Sarah and I, to have you on the podcast and, and uh, launching this new podcast, getting to know you a little bit better, uh, You know, the man behind uh, the guy on stage at The Right Club, so uh, we're really excited to interview you today.
0: Well, I'm pretty excited to be sitting here and being interviewed, so good combination.
2: Perfect, perfect. So Daniel and I have known each other probably about three years now. We've actually met at different networking events, and Daniel has an incredible portfolio of uh, real estate investments, and I wanted to talk about that. But Daniel, before, can you let the listeners know when and how you got started in real estate investing?
0: Yeah, for a reason that would probably take the whole length of the podcast to explain, we were looking for an alternate source of income in the fall of 2009. And in December 2009, I got invited to join somebody for a three-day seminar of Rich Dad Poor Dad. I went, love at first sight, and by the end of that Sunday, mid-December 2009, we decided that the next source of income was going to be from real estate investing. And so we immediately got busy, because we're people of action, we immediately got busy registering a corporation, and by February 1st, 2010, we were incorporated, and that's when we started. Wow. So
1: now we're, you know, coming on the new year that's almost just over nine years now after that, you know, that weekend course or that class that you took. So
0: what does your portfolio consist of today? We did our first, first of all, we had chosen the rent to own strategy, with which you were kind of familiar there, Alfonso. And we did our first deal in September 2010. And our last one, the most recent, was in November 2018. So in the eight years, between the first one and the last one, uh, the most recent, we acquired either ourselves or through joint ventures, 58 properties that... Total about $21 million. And right now, we have 24 left that I am dealing with right now 20 rent to own and four buy and hold.
2: Amazing. Congratulations. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. There's probably some listeners right now saying, How does somebody go from one to two properties to so many? <laughs> and that's what we want to talk about today. And, you know, it's not about always using your own money. But before we get into that, Was it smooth sailing all along or, you know, what kind of hiccups did you encounter along the way?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, in another podcast that will be coming soon, I will be talking about the fail-proof formula for success in real estate investing. And really, it's a very simple formula. If anybody out there is making notes, although if you're driving, I don't suggest you do that. But if some of you are making notes, there really only are two things in my fail-proof formula for success. Number one, mindset, and I'm not going to talk about that because that's Laurel's specialty. And number two, and again, this is going to be in another webinar soon, it's called OPA. And OPA stands for Other People's Assets. If you have the right mindset and you know how to tap in other people's assets, sky is the limit. So in a nutshell, the other people's assets are money, credit, network, knowledge, and time. We were okay with time, but we had none of the other ones. So smooth sailing, not really, because we did not have the money, the credit, we didn't have the network, and certainly not the knowledge. So we had to tap into other people's assets. So, you know, you
1: mentioned OPA, a lot more people are familiar with, you know, OPM, right? Other people's money. I like how you phrase it, other people's assets, because it is, you work with the people that complement the assets that you currently are lacking or don't have or or would like to acquire. So how did you first start
0: using other people's assets or other people's money? Okay. Well, again... The first thing we realized quickly from the Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar is that real estate investing is a people business. A lot of people think it's all about buildings and return on investment and stuff. Yes, it is. But mainly it's a people business. So in order to succeed, especially if you want to use other people's assets, you need to know other people. So we immediately joined within two weeks after we incorporated, we joined a group in Ottawa called OREO, Ottawa Real Estate Investing Organization. And that's how we started. We needed to have the right mindset in order to approach people, which means win-win. We needed to have a good strategy to offer to them. In our case, rent-to-own, but it's not the only strategy out there. And we needed to make them a great offer. And two things, again, for those people who are making notes, there's the, when we say great offer, we're talking about the lowercase ROI and the capital ROI. The lowercase ROI, and it's going to come as a surprise to many people because most people focus on that big mistake, is the return on investment. So how much are you going to offer people as a return on their investment? In our view, the most important ROI, the, the one written in caps, is the return of investment because Alfonso, if you invest 100000 bucks with me and I'm offering you 20% return, but there's a 50% chance you're going to lose your money, is that going to be a good deal? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So everybody focuses on the return on investment. They're comparing to other investment. They're comparing to the stock market. They're comparing to GIC or anything else. And that's fine. But very important when you pre- present an offer to people, the main thing, and they may not say that to you, they're going to be asking about this lowercase ROI. But what you really want to know is, what are the chances I'm going to lose my money? So you have to be prepared to show them how you're going to return their investment come hell or high water.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's really important as well. Because you do hear some horror stories of people losing their money and they invested somewhere. I mean, you can Google it and you can read about some of those unfortunate situations. Unfortunately, they do happen, not often, but they do happen. Now, somebody that's starting out, like there's a lot of information that you're providing and you're definitely a wealth of knowledge, but let's just say somebody's starting out and they have a few properties and they want to use other people's assets to get started. Going back when you first started, how did you originally find your lenders and those partners?
0: Yeah, well, as I was saying earlier, it's a people business. So, first thing was Oreo. Later on, we joined Rain. And we joined Rain in 2012 when we were still living in Ottawa. And we were coming to all their meetings, driving to Toronto uh, almost monthly to attend their events. Other real estate investment groups. This is where we found our investors. We do not advertise in the paper, we don't advertise online we find our investors belly to belly at other real estate investment events. Now, and as an example, even though right now I have more RRSPs that I can use right now, I have more investors that I can use. I was looking back in preparation for this conversation here to the past fall from September to December. In the 13 weeks that we were, quote unquote, home, because we were away a little bit. But in the 13 weeks we were home last this past fall, I attended 22 Real estate networking events. Do I need to? No, but I still do that because, as my friend Patrick Ashby would say, Patrick Ashby has a huge house in Ottawa. And I was there last week and he was cutting wood. And I would say, What are you doing cutting wood? Because when you look at it all over his seven acre lot, there's tons of wood. You say, Oh, I have about a hundred cords in reserve. I say, how much do you use per year? He said, well, about 10. So I said, you got a 10 year supply and you're here in the snow cutting wood. I said, hey, you do not want to run out of wood. So based on that, you do not want to run out of investors. So even though I don't need them now, I still attend events to make contacts because you never know.
2: So I think you said something that is important to factor in because somebody might go to a lot of events and they may not speak to anybody. They may be going to these events and then leaving afterwards. I think the the big differentiator, and I see you do this a lot, is you're not necessarily always inside the events. You're outside of them and you're networking and you're, you're getting out of your comfort zone and talking to people. And I think that is the big difference between you and then maybe somebody that does go to a lot of events and still hasn't had that success.
0: Yes, you really, really have a good point there. And this I'm working on that as well as the subject of another podcast, how to network, where to network, when to network, but especially how to network, because it really irks me when I go to an event and I realize that somebody had to leave home, drive all the way there, they get to the event, the event starts at seven, it's 630. And they're sitting at the back of the room playing with their phone and they're surrounded by you know 30 or 40 people mailing about and they're not connecting and i want to go to them and slap them on the side of the head and say what are you thinking you can do that anytime you want playing on your phone but Here is your future. Here in this room are the people that you are going to be, that you might be tapping into their assets and their resources to build your future. And you're sitting there playing with your phone. Smart enough. So I'll give an example. One of the first things when you want to do network, right? First of all, if you go as a couple, you do not sit at the same table and you do not talk to each other for the whole evening. So when Laurel went to, in 2013, our first rain acre, we went for the weekend we did not sit together. We sat at different tables. And on the Sunday night, after talking to a lot of people and mostly spending our time in the hallway, again, talking with people, we figured we had together about 13 good prospects to work with us and within the next 6 months 12 of them invested in a new rent on deal so was it worth going for the weekend yes did we miss a lot of the content in the main room yes but then again we can listen to that on our uh, laptop afterwards but we were there to meet people we met people and it grew our business exponentially so networking is the key when you go to these events and the right club Especially as this reputation and a lot of people, they mentioned that in the surveys. They mentioned that when we meet them, they love the sense of community. They love the interaction and. You two know that a couple of times already we've had complaints from the people meeting in the rooms next door. They thought that our group was a little too loud. That's what <laughs> happens at our break is when you have 130 people yapping and talking to each other and meeting and exchanging information. Well, that's what happens. So the right club is definitely one of those places where you can find other people to tap into their assets.
1: And that's such a great point. The energy in the room with the people there that it can be such an individualistic business. That everybody's doing, has their own goals, has their own missions, their own day-to-day grind. But getting together in that room, you know, talking, sharing their experiences, it's great because you can get that sense of community in those rooms. And, and Daniel, I, I've heard you mention in the past, and you have a great acronym, it's, it's J-A-N, Join, Attend, and Network. And I think that's so important. You touched upon the, te- like the technology piece. Yes, it does make our lives easier. It helps get things done. But when you are there in person, that's the best form of communication. That one-on-one, you say a belly-to-belly, talking to people, I think that is the best form of communication. Afterwards, yes, emails, phone calls, video calls, that type of stuff makes it easier. But that first initial contact, that first impression, before all this technology, that's how people would meet, right? So I think that's, I don't want to say a dying art, because that's why we're here. That's why what we want to do is get people together in the room and, and join, attend, and network. So... Yeah, all the points that you made were were really great. So thanks for sharing
0: that. And just one more thing, and that is that people don't realize, for example, the very first person that we talked to at Oreo, the very first one that we invited to come on one of our deal, ended up buying seven houses for us. So again, you're sitting there in the room, you're talking with people, you don't really know where it's going to go. But I mean, you meet one person and over the years, they buy seven of your deals. Yeah, that was worth driving to that meeting that evening. Exactly. Exactly. So we often hear there's a lot of information out there, right? That
1: you're no money down deals and get in with no money and you can do deals very creatively with no money down. But when you're buying real estate, at the end of the day, there has to be some money down. You have to buy it. So what what does that mean to you? And we often hear courses or books, the ability to buy real estate with no money down. What does that mean to you?
0: Well, we have never done a no money down deal because I don't believe they exist. And if they do exist and, you know, somebody wrote a a bestseller on that. So somewhere, somehow they probably exist, maybe only in the U.S. I don't know. Or maybe it's a little tricky to do. I don't know. But my experience, we've never done a no money down deal, but we did 58 deals with none of our money down. Actually, I mentioned earlier that we bought about $21 million worth of house of uh, property. We, to this day, we do not have $1 invested in any of those. It's 100% financed with other people's assets, other people's money and credit, including the banks. But yeah, when you hear that, you have to just add one word. You're talking about none of your money down deal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's your investor's money or even your like a vendor take back, for example, like if somebody's holding yep. a mortgage, that's, but there's always going to be some money. So either you need to find an amazing deal, you need to network to find the investors that are going to put that down. You're not getting a free house, unfortunately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Daniel, you've done a lot of joint ventures, you've, done, you've worked with a lot of investors. Can you give us some examples of how you structure those agreements, the deals?
0: Yeah. And guess what? Again, that's going to be the topic of another podcast. I'm working on that. So we're going to be busy doing podcasts in the next few months to explain this in more details. Actually, it might turn out to be a webinar because I'll have to show things on the screen. But anyway, we do our joint ventures in a unique way. And I know people listening to this will say, yeah, yeah, everybody talks about being unique. But I tell you, we we are to this day the only people still doing our joint venture the way we do them. And we know that because when we showed our contracts to our accountant, he did not know how to handle those, even though he's an expert at real estate investing and, and taxation. And he had to go to CRA, Canadian Revenue Agency, to get a ruling on our contracts. So that tells you we are doing something unique. I keep showing people how to do this and nobody else is doing it. I don't know why, because to me, it is the <laughs> best way to do it, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be doing that. But the first thing about our JVs is that it favors the investors. If you can create a joint venture that favors, number one, the investor, they're going to be lined up outside your door to do business with you. The second thing is all the responsibilities and all the agreements and all the joint venture are on my shoulders. So basically, our investors are hands-off, hassle-free They don't have to participate in anything outside of the initial signing, some papers and whatever. And they are not involved in the day-to-day operation. They're not involved in the decision. They're not involved in the losses. If there are losses, they are totally protected. And number three, I said, so one, favor the investor. Two, all responsibilities are on me, but also number three, I'm 100% in control of the deal. I think of it as I'm the driver of the bus and my investors are sitting in the back as passengers. So I don't ask them where to go. I don't ask them where to turn. They're going where I'm going. So to me, that was important. When we were looking at the other ways of doing JVs way back in 2009 and and we figured, okay, one day we're going to have 30, 40, 50, 60 deals that I'm going to be dealing with. I do not want to be reporting to 60 investors monthly. So I created a way of doing it where the investors are like consultants, meaning they are paid a flat fee for a service and they're not involved in anything else. And I love the way that this is working out.
2: So... I don't know if you're willing to share like any more insights, but like the people that put the money down, do they just get a percentage? And then the people that are holding the mortgage is it another portion or? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, no, that's fine. I can, I can summarize this. Like I said, there'll be way more details when we do right. the, the webinar. But if you invest, so every time you buy a house, let's say 99% of the times, somebody will get a first mortgage, 80%. Somebody will have to do the uh, the 20%. It could be the same person, but in our case, it's usually always somebody else. So for the person who supplies the 20% quote unquote down payment, which will end up being a cash or a RSP mortgage somewhere down the road, we pay them an annual rate of interest, which will vary depending on the circumstances, but that's it. It's a rate of return that is an interest rate. So it's know. In other words, it's not attached to whether the deal works well, whether the deal makes lots of money or a little money. If you put in a hundred thousand bucks and you're getting example, 10% interest, you're being paid 10,000 bucks a year, no matter what. So people love that the result is not attached to the, how the deal goes. For the person who buys the house where we are very, very different, again, unique from anybody else's, we pay them a service fee for rendering the service of qualifying for a mortgage they don't put any money in all they do is get a mortgage and for that we will pay them two percent of the purchase price per year that they own the house now we've done this mostly for rent to own but we've also done it for buy and hold i don't know that i would do that for a buy and hold for 25 years but our buy and holds were always planned to be three, five, maybe seven years. So that's easy to do. But anyway, 2% of the purchase price per year that you own the house. So it's a good return considering that they'll be making twenty, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 over a three or four year period on $0 invested. So it's an infinite return. If you want to look at it that way, they're happy. Although I cannot use the word guaranteed in my contract, but as a law lawyer would say, we are contractually obligated to pay our investors what our agreement says. So they know what they're going to get, when they're going to get it, and to the penny, really. So people really like that. That's why we have more investors than we can use right now.
1: Yeah, and, and another piece of that too, Daniel, I know you've worked a lot with RSP. So obviously we talked about other normal investments of, let's just say, capital that they, people have in their bank account or under their mattresses but there's a lot of RSPs. I'm not sure it's the exact stat or how many RSPs are in Canada, but a lot of the people that we talk to don't like their returns on their RSPs, are not getting the returns that they want or they should be or could be getting. So even somebody that has RSPs, how can they lend them out? And then for investors out there, for our Right Club Nation, how can we use other people's RSPs? I know you've done a lot of this, so maybe you can shed some light with with
0: RSP investing? Yeah, so this is a two part question. Let's address the first one first. So, first of all, I can tell you that all our RSP investors right now who are earning anywhere between 10 and 12% annual return after watching the NASDAQ last week lose about, I can't remember what it was, but two, three, 4%. And I'm sure a lot of investors had a pretty lousy Christmas looking at how much money they had lost a few days before Christmas. But all the investors who are using a system like we do, which is a, an annual rate of return, not based on the market. Well they were just laughing because while there are probably other people around the table at dinner had lost some money, they were just making (laughs) they were just steady, going straight forward, making good money at good return. RSP mortgages are about as safe an investment as you can imagine. First of all, you're on a physical asset. You're not buying stock. You're investing I mean you're not investing in stock like a mutual fund. You're investing in a physical asset. The trust companies that are involved in doing RSP mortgages, in our case, we only deal with Olympia Trust, but it's their duty, it's their mandate, it's the government mandate for them to protect their clients. So they really, really, really do that very well. There's so many hoops that we have to go through in order to do a RSP mortgage, because again, uh, Olympia and, and possibly the other ones, we don't deal with them, but possibly are really, really protective of their clients' money. And again, the other thing is the returns are not tied to the stock market. And right now we have about, actually we've used just a little over $4 million of RSPs over the last eight, nine years. Right now I'm still handling about 750000
2: that's that's awesome. You know, it's funny because as you mentioned this, I have some RSP that now took out of the market about a month and a half ago. So before it all started crashing down, I, I did not plan that. I don't know enough about it anyways to, to be that smart. <laughs> but it is one of those things now I'm looking at it and I would so much rather loan it and get a higher rate of return, whether it's 10%, 12%, loan it to whether it's this or so, or whether it's somebody that needs money for a flip, that's going to be borrowing it temporarily like i think it's for me it's the way to go for me for my rsps anyway so it is really great insight that you're providing what are some of the things though that somebody should be aware of when it comes to rsps and loaning or receiving money from it well
0: again me i would first of all be doing that only with people that i've met so i would not be uh, responding to ads in the paper or whatever that's just me i would although we've had quite a few RSVs from people, but that we never met. We live in other provinces, but when I say never met in person, but they are RAIN members, we met on forum, we, anyway. So first of all, trust the person that you're going to be investing it with. Trust the project. I mean, if it makes sense to you when they show you the project, okay, look at their plan, look at their offer, look at their experience with it. And again, if, if it all feels good and it looks good and there's some really good protection in the agreements, and again, most of the protection though comes from the trust company you're working with, then that's all you have to pay attention to now if you read there's a book try to remember it it's called rrsp secrets by greg habstrit so if you are about to rent or or if you're thinking about loaning your rsps you should get that book and if you are about to use other people's rsps you should get that book as well because it talks about rsps from Mm -hmm. the lender side and from the borrower side it's called R-R-S-P Secrets, and it's by uh, Greg Habstrit, H-A-B-S-T-R-I-T-T. Best book out there on RSPs. Awesome. Awesome.
2: So one of the things that we are implementing now is our lightning round for the podcast. And everybody, Daniel, is going to get the exact same questions and just respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, so question number one. What is the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking events?
0: Whoa, <laughs> okay. So the first thing that comes to mind, and I can't remember which, actually it was Pip Stelic, the trainer for Rich Dad Poor Dad, best trainer in the world, who said, whatever you do, however you structure your contract, whatever strategy you use, protect your investors With your life, if you have to. So, if you start with that mindset, if you start with that mindset that you're going to protect your investors no matter what, I promise you, sky's the limit in investing and people will be lined up out your door if they know that that's what matters to you most. And that's why we picked the name of our company, Safe and Sound Real Estate Investment Group. Safe and sound, not tricky and potential or tricky and (laughs) take a chance investment group. Safe and sound. So, basically, in the name of our company, We put in practice what Pip was saying is the most important things as far as he's concerned. Awesome.
1: Okay. So the second question of the lightning round, what is your favorite real estate investing resource? That could be a book, a website, any resource that you've had along the years that it's your favorite resource that you like to go to.
0: The events. I mean, that's where I meet the people. That's where I get, that's where I meet the professionals. Okay. So two things you need to know. Of the 60 or 65 investors we've used so far, and I did that exercise a while back when I was preparing another presentation, 96% of them, we did not know them before we went to Oreo. So the events have provided us all, okay, 96% of the investors that that we've uh, dealt with so far. The team, when I look at the team we're dealing with, the the lawyer, the accountant, the, the property managers and everything else. We met all of these people at an event or through people met at an event. So really, (laughs) I'm thinking if we had not gone to any networking event since 2010, I would still be sitting here wondering how we're gonna make this work, rather than instead of having purchased 58 properties. The events is where it happens. That's where the rubber hits the, the, the pavement. All right,
2: perfect. Number three. What is the one attribute, in your opinion, that has made you the most successful?
0: Action.
2: Okay, quick and simple.
1: Nice. All right. Last question of the lightning round. It's Saturday today, but
0: hypothetical.
2: What do you do on Sundays, in general? Sunday
1: mornings. What do you do on a Sunday morning? Your ideal Sunday morning.
0: My ideal Sunday morning, it will depend on what else I've done during the rest of the week. So, for example, if we just come back from being away on vacation, I can promise you that Sunday is going to be a 10-hour day sitting in the office, sorting things, answering emails and stuff. If we were working all week, then Sunday morning might be, again, depends on the summer. It might be a walk, too, because we live not far from the lake here, or it could be a brunch somewhere or it could be visiting a winery or whatever, but it really depends on what time of the year and also obviously what I did the rest before in the past week. Sounds like you're describing the life of an entrepreneur, right? (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Laurel and I have been entrepreneurs since the early 80s, so we do not understand the TGIF. Uh, acronym. I have no idea what that means. When people say, have a nice long weekend, I'm going, what do you mean long weekend? That sounds like an oxymoron to me. <laughs> and also, there's one, there's one I heard not too long ago, Hump Day. What's that? That's uh, middle of the week. But if you work at your pace and you don't work nine to five, what's the middle of the week? <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense to me. But um, anyway, Will living be- the
2: life, Daniel, living the life. Daniel, how can listeners find you?
0: Uh, they can go to the Right Club website and certainly there's got to be a way to contact the founders in there. So that would probably be the easiest way uh, as far as I that I can think of.
2: Okay, so Daniel at the com. Sure. Okay, all right. Any social media or anything like that?
0: You can find me on Facebook and, and stuff like that, but I'm not really, I'm, come on, uh, I'm not your age. So
2: I'm not caught
0: on with no stuff yet.
2: So I guess if you guys wanted to reach out to Daniel, sassreg.com or rightclub.com or come to the events.
0: Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yep. All right, Daniel. So any last words of advice for the Right Club Nation?
0: Yes. And that's going to be pretty short and sweet. And if somebody's making notes, this is a good time to make notes. I'm going to say it twice so you can write it down. But trust me, this will help you in your future as a real estate investors. Here it is. You can be as successful as you want to be in real estate investing if you have the right mindset and if you know how to tap into OPA. I'll repeat this. You can be as successful as you want in real estate investing if you have the right mindset and if you know how to tap into OPA. Sky's the limit.
2: Amazing. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Daniel, for being on the Right Club podcast and providing some amazing insights and in how people can go about using other people's assets, other people's money. It is really great information. So thank you very much. Thanks, Daniel. Bye. So, Alfonso, what do you think? Wasn't that awesome?
1: Yeah, wow. What a lot of information, a lot of great stuff. Yeah, Daniel, you know, just a whole lot of life experience from different things that he's done it's uh yeah what a really great interview opa i love that
2: and it's not all money it's assets and assets could be more than just money
1: yeah at first i thought he was turning greek like opa but it's
2: <laughs> yeah. other
1: people's assets so what a really cool interview really good insight i know daniel he's done a lot of rsp mortgages so that the stuff that he had was really interesting definitely to get more information about daniel get onto the right club website it's rightclub.com you can get a hold of daniel get a hold of us we're going to have a lot more information coming up there in the coming months there's a really really good podcast what was your biggest takeaway sarah
2: just the RSP piece and how he structures his deals. I mean, it really truly is not even putting 20% down and he's working with an investor to put the 20% down and somebody else to hold the mortgage. I mean, it's interesting because you structure it differently, he structures it differently, and both of you guys are extremely successful and it's it's different. So it was a, a huge piece and I have to do something with my RSP because <laughs> I have some money there and I'm like, I want to loan it. and. So I'm trying to figure out exactly what I wanna do, but within the next 30 days, I'm gonna move it and invest it, whether Mm -hmm. it's for some type of real estate or arm's length or whatever that looks like.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's the key part is just informing for exactly yourself, right? Like you're informing yourself of what the best you can do about it. And that's the coolest part is, That you now have that information at your fingertips, resources like Daniel, other people in the Right Club that we see in those rooms or that you're contacting with, that you can go out and get the best information that's best suited for you. So, yeah, the Right Club Nation, guys, we really want this podcast to be successful. We want you guys to enjoy it. We want your feedback, your reviews, anything that we can do better that you want to hear more about, please get on there, review the podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you think it's five stars. If it's like less than that, tell us why <laughs> so that we can make it five-star.
2: would love to hear from the nation, the listeners. I mean, you guys are what makes this podcast exciting for us, is to be able to give back, to be able to give you some insights. And if you're not also able to come to every single event, you're going to be able to hear – from a lot of the guests because they're going to be speakers are going to be members and you're going to feel a little bit more connected to the right club even though you may not have to be there in person every single time maybe you live too far away so awesome i love doing these podcasts i love helping others and if you also enjoy it please give us a rating and review and reach out to us as well the i'm uh, at sarah at therightclub.com and Alfonso, Alfonso at therightclub.com. Or you can go to the contacts me page on the website as well.
1: For sure. And we'll see at a future live event in Burlington at the Holiday Inn. I know we have a January 16th, a February 21st. And then, yeah, the big event leading up to is uh, our two-year anniversary. I can't believe it's been two years, Sarah. I
0: know. Just
2: time flies. And it is going to be an amazing day. That's March 20th. And last year we did it, we had cake from Roma Bakery. It was amazing, (laughs) but we also have lots of great content. So I think one of the things I love about our Write Club events is the speakers are often members and they're also diversified in strategies and providing insights content. I like that there's no sales pitches. I love that because yeah, I that's think huge. That networking events huge. where I've they try to upsell much. you and then they upsell you again. Just give me the information.
1: <laughs> yeah, we want, and I think that that was a big thing when we were first starting this networking club and this group was we've been to those events where you walk into that room and you're thinking you're going in there getting information, getting knowledge about a certain strategy, but when you walk in, you're just getting sold on a specific project. And that's okay. That there's different reasons for those types of groups. But when we come into a right club event, we don't we're not there to sell you. We want you to be in the room. Where our sales pitches, the group, the community, the people that we put together, the right club nation, that's our big draw. That's why we want people to keep coming into the rooms, that's for sure.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, everybody. We appreciate you right club nation listeners and see you on the next podcast.